Fads come and go, and nowhere more than in the world of weight loss. That's why Noom's weight management programs are made to last. Noom uses science and personalization to help you manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. What is happening? Welcome to the Plus Pitch Podcast, your morning pitching podcast from PitcherList.com. My name is Nick Pollock. Today is July 16th, and yes, we are going to talk about baseball. Just a heads up, the list is not coming out on Monday. It's coming out on Tuesday for a couple of reasons. One, I'm traveling home from Cape Cod on Tuesday, and I'll actually be back and ready to live stream around 3 o'clock, and it works out just fine. I will be on Twitch doing it. It's going to be a speed run. It's going to be fun. There's only really four games, too, and I also felt that the extra day after three games, three days of starts, doesn't really make sense for Monday. Again, extra day for Tuesday. It just all works out perfectly. So Tuesday, the list will come out. Join me on twitch.tv slash pitcherlist for the live stream at 3 p.m. Eastern time to just kind of see my thoughts and really ask me any questions, all that kind of stuff, as we'll get back to the normal streaming schedule uh, on Wednesday morning at 10 a.m. But Alec Marsh, and a lot of guys, really, yesterday, we have so many pitchers to go through, I'm going to try and go quickly through this. Alec Marsh, six innings, two and runs, five hits, one walk, 11 strikeouts. You don't even know who he is. Third start for the Royals. I, I don't really buy it. I've been kind of interested in Alec Marsh because I'm saying, hey, he has a decent solid fastball, 95, and the slider looks like a good pitch, and the changeup is interesting against lefties, and he throws curveballs for strikes at ICSW in previous starts. This one, honestly, I watched all of it against the, the Rays, and it was fine. Uh, I don't think he should have had 11 strikeouts. His fastball is not nearly as good as the nine whiffs it earned. It was only six earned whiffs in the previous two games combined. It's not a big vertical rise pitch. There are a lot of fastballs in there that either were taken for strikes or kind of swung through that. I don't really think it should be. The slider is a 22% swing striker pitch for the year across three starts. PLV hates it. Absolutely hates this pitch. And watching it, I didn't really feel like there was a pitch that was Marsh's best. Maybe it's that fastball. Maybe it's that slider. But neither one were, oh man, here comes that pitch. You can't handle it of an offering. So... I'm not really that in here. However, he does get the Tigers next. So Alec Marsh starting against the Tigers after so like this is an obvious play. Everyone's going to suggest it. I'm not saying no against that, but we should lower our expectations for Marsh across the entirety of the second half. I don't really think that he has this exceptional uh, repertoire. I actually, surprisingly enough, I'm more jazzed by his teammate, the other pitcher, as this was a doubleheader for the Kansas City Royals against the Rays, as Cole Raggins made his debut for the Royals after being traded in the Eraldus Chapman deal with the, the Rangers. Five innings, one earned run, four hits, two walks, three Ks. You're like, Nick, that is not nearly as exciting as 11 strikeouts and six innings. And I get that. But Cole Raggins, who was around 94 when I was introduced to him last year, all of a sudden was throwing 96 and change. In relief, mostly, and I was wondering if that was going to carry over as as a starter if he ever got the opportunity. Cole Reckon set 97.5 miles per hour across 81 pitches. I mean, that wasn't 81 fastballs, but you understand. That is insane as a southpaw, as a lefty, and he was executing the Blake Snell blueprint. I don't really know why he only was 3Ks and 11 whiffs, but and maybe that's because it's the Rays, but he survived the Rays here, right? 
And so did Alec Marsh on the same day. Fine, fine, fine. But this is very interesting. Now, I don't know if Cole Raggins is going to be this electric. It could be the adrenaline of the day and all that kind of stuff. Not to mention, even though he did the Blake Snell blueprint decently, the secondaries aren't at the level yet of being the perfect complement. I really want that changeup to come through like it's Cole Hamels back in the day. But Cole Raggins is a guy who throws cutters inside to righties, goes upstairs with his four-seamer, and if you can get that changeup just consistently down with the curveball in there too, like, that's amazing! <laughs> that can really work. It might not be an explosive 10 strikeout game unless he starts getting legit whiffs upstairs with four-seamers, but I think there's something here with Cole Raggins. I, I've kind of dug him for a bit where his mechanics look repeatable, and even as he missed his spots, it was never chaos. It was always just a little bit off in the general approaches work. I don't know. I, I can't get it out of my head. Um, Cole Rackens is just so, so interesting right now. On the other side of that game, I mean, obviously, Tyler Glasnow was amazing, and he gets his aces going to ace label. Blake Snell also gets his aces going to ace label after five innings, zero runs, three hits, three walks, and seven Ks against the Phillies. If you're wondering, hey, 82 pitches, why was he removed after five? He had a really um, laborious fifth inning, and they felt, yeah, let's just go to the pen at this point. Uh, Michael Lorenzen did really well against the Mariners. Good stuff for him. Five walks is kind of weird, and it just kind of worked out only two hits against the Mariners. Thank you, Mariners. He gets the Royals next. I guess we're doing that because he's a Toby that you start against weak teams. Freddie Peralta against the Reds is looking really good. Um, six Ks, two walks, one hit. Wonderful. Just zero runs in six innings. He has a 3.58 ERA with a .98 whip and a 35% strikeout rate with a 12% walk rate across his last five starts. That's Freddie Peralta. He's saying, oh no, the Babbitt of about 200. Well, 234 expected Babbitt. He doesn't allow a ton of hard contact. Sure, I, I could have mentioned the 19%, but I do want to mention that 47% of that is walks or strikeouts. So kind of weird. Of those hit into play, it's going to be a harder, it's going to be a higher hard hit rate. It's 55% and then 20% of that. So then it's a roughly like 38% hard hit rate, which is always so weird because who cares when you're striking out so many, right? It's not... It's just about the amount, the number of hard hit balls, not the rate of hard hit balls, if that makes sense. But anyway, Freddie Peralta is in a good place in this side, was inside of Cincy, so we're all cool there. Uh, Andrew Heaney did really well against the Guardians. He did the Blake Snell blueprint, and we don't really have much faith in Heaney having that consistent command, but he's shown it a couple times now recently. Not in a row, but a little bit more um, consistently. And he did so with a harder slider. And usually when you see a harder slider, it means that you are sacrificing movement. And he is. It's less vertical and horizontal movement. But it was down the entire time. Yeah, just four strikeouts. It's the, it's the Guardians. I'm very interested in this. Uh, he gets the Dodgers next, so not going to touch that one. But I'm going to see if he can replicate this command. Uh, we're going to talk about everybody else from yesterday. And of course, tomorrow, today and tomorrow's games after this break. When it comes to weight management, we tend to put our focus on what we eat. But Noom's approach puts the focus on why we eat, and that's a game changer. Noom uses science and personalization so you can manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. And they help you understand the science behind your eating choices and why you have those cravings. Noom's personalized courses are easy to follow and will help grow your confidence with tools you can put into practice on day one. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. And based on a sample of 4,272 Noomers, 98% say Noom helps change their habits and behaviors for good. 
Try Noom today and see the results for yourself. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. Sean Armstrong opened for Cooper Criswell, who did well across four frames, and I don't really care. Sorry, uh, openers, whatever. Uh, Juan Aviedo against the Giants did really well. Seven innings, 10 strikeouts, one hundred run, one hit, three walks, 18 whiffs. This was a, your perfect case of high foul ball total where those four seamers would normally be uh, hits into play or balls in play, 20 foul balls on four seamers, which is insane. And those weren't. And that allowed him to go deeper into counts and thus put guys away. He did get six whiffs on the four seam, which is good. Seven on the slider. But yeah, this is one of those games where everything kind of went together and it worked out in his way, in his favor. But foul balls are noisy, so don't really latch too much into that. But at least understand the possibility of things like this happening for Aviedo. Kodai Senga did well against the Dodgers. There is no list curse. Six innings, one hit run, four hits, two walks, and nine strikeouts. The forkball was incredible. Over 50% strike rate, which is always just so nice to see. But the cutter was really well spotted down in glove side. I still don't like the slider at all. I think the fastball command is blech. But if those two pitches are both working super well, yeah, you're going to have a great start like this one. Alex Cobb against the Pirates, six innings, one and run, four hits, two walks, five Ks. It's very interesting to see that the splitter is not the pitch that we want it to be. That's another, I think it's like three straight starts where the splitter has not had an exceptional whiff rate, but the slider has been there over 10% of the time and it's gotten strikes. And it's very interesting to see this new skill arrive while the old skill is not there normally what happens is the new skill goes away before the old skill returns i want to be optimistic here and it's at cincinnati and then oakland i think we hold on to cop for those so let's let's keep it going hopefully Cobb can get that splitter back he normally does marcus stroman against the red sox did everything you want him to do six innings one and run got the win four base runners three k's don't care about the whiffs or the csw why? Because he's a sinker baller who got outs. He didn't allow a single hit on that low sinker, which is just exactly what you want. Uh, Tony Gonsolin against the Mets. Five innings, one to run, two hits, one walk, three Ks. Yep. It was only 54 pitches across five innings. You're wondering why that happened. Well, it was very humid and uh, the reports of Gonsolin not really getting a grip on the ball. And they just said, you know what? The fresh pen is there. I'm just going to go to them. And it worked out for the Dodgers. Now, the problem is that Gonsolin gets the Rangers and then likely the Jays after that. And I don't want to hold them for what? two weeks it, it he's a toby so you don't really need to do that if you have gonsolin right now i'm glad that you um were able to get this start but you don't need to hold on to gonsolin uh clark schmidt against cores yes cores it's undefeated well not tonight because schmidt got the win six innings two more runs three hits one walk eight k's i have been very vocal about not being in on clark schmidt and i've well this is maybe the most convincing start i've seen from him not just because cores but because he went 18% sinkers, again, it was very low sinker usage, but the sweeper and cutter were phenomenal. Really good sweeper location, not just in the zone, but actually down and glove side. He really did well with the cutter as well, arm side. And even though the curveball wasn't really the thing that we want, I think there's enough here for me to feel good about this. Um, and uh, I think we're okay holding on to Schmidt at the moment now. I'm probably going to raise him up on the list on on Tuesday. Andrew Abbott went against the Brewers again. It was six innings, two earned runs, three hits, two walks, and three Ks as he got his redemption. This is honestly more in line with what I expect from Andrew Abbott. Maybe a few more strikeouts, but I kind of see him as a potential Holly that is not a 25 to 30% strikeout guy, but more 20 to 25% while being productive and, and good. Um, don't really think that he's the double-digit strikeout guy, and I don't really think that he's the massive, massive floor guy, he, even though those clunkers are still going to appear here and there. 
But don't, yeah, don't expect him to be your league winner. That's all I ask. Think better Logan Allen. How about that? Does that sound good? Cool. Chris uh, Chris Bassett was everything you want against the Diamondbacks. Got the win, six innings, two hundred runs, seven hits, zero walks, five Ks. Yep, that's that's why we have Bassett on our squads. Uh, Tywin Walker against the Padres, five innings, two hundred runs, four hits, three walks, and three Ks. It's more Tywin magic. He did a really good job with splitters and cutters down. Uh, velocity was down a little bit though, and it's just so weird. But I'm glad that the command was there and he got those outs when he needed them. I guess we're starting against the Guardians, and that's that. Speaking of the Guardians, uh, Gavin Williams went against the Rangers. Five innings, two and runs, four hits, four walks, and four Ks. Honestly, good. Two and runs in five innings against the Rangers. That's a victory for Gavin Williams. Obviously, the, the base runners are not fun, and I really love the fact that he's still doing a great job with his four-seamer upstairs. The problem is that the secondaries, everything else, slider curve, nope, those are staying upstairs too, and that can't happen. He's got to get those pitches down, but I feel like he should be able to get that skill going, and I'm starting him against the Phillies next time out. Hogan Harris was open for, and it was a really disappointing outing, and this was against the Twins. I'm not going for Hogan Harris. Uh, It's just not really enough for me, even when it might be a decent matchup for your very deep teams. Maybe, but it's not for me. Ranger Suarez against the Padres got a very poor quality start in 3Ks. Didn't get a win. We're not at the point of coming back on the Suarez train. The command isn't there. Zach Gellin against the Jays. Didn't have his best stuff. It was five innings, 300 runs, six hits, three walks, and 5Ks. The curve and change just weren't really that consistent. And so he leaned heavily on the cutter and the fastball. He did what he could to get through this one. I don't think it's going to be the same Gallon next time out. Reed Detmer, same kind of thing. I mean, it's been the Dodgers and the Astros last two starts, and they haven't been what we wanted. Six innings, four and runs, five hits, three walks, six Ks. The interesting thing here is that not a single hit was allowed on the four-seamer. It was actually the slider and the curve in the middle of the zone a little bit at times. It's it's frustrating, obviously. We were really excited about Detmer's, and it's two clunkers in a row, but it is really good offenses, and now he gets Pittsburgh, and honestly, I think everything is just fine, and he's going to be really good uh, moving forward. Lance Lynn, actually, I'm very excited about. I know this was Atlanta. He got the win somehow, but it was 5.1 innings, four and runs, six hits, three walks, and six Ks. Honestly, what we expected, 16 whiffs, but the skills are there, right? The, the four-seamer cutter are doing the things they're supposed to do. If he had his secondaries, maybe he could have survived an offense like Atlanta, but whatever. Don't start him against the top tiers and start him against the Twins next. You should feel kind of good about that. It's a much easier decision at the moment for Lance Lynn than it used to be. Ryan Weathers against the Phils. Yeah, obviously you didn't want to start that one, so we're not doing that. And this was a doubleheader. We're probably not going to see him much anymore. Braxton Garrett against the Orioles was very disappointing. 4.2 innings, four and runs, six hits, one walk, and five strikeouts. The sinker and the cutter command just really haven't been there in tandem in the last three starts. And the changeup and slider didn't do enough to really save the outing. Now he does get Rocky Road next. And I think we do take the chance for that one, Braxton Garrett, before sending him back to the wire. But if he doesn't do it there, then we just cannot hold on. Steven Matz was also very disappointing. 4.1 innings of four and runs, four hits, three walks, four keys. It was just four hits at the end of the day. And I really do like that it was 95 miles per hour on the heater. Uh, general intent of high fastballs with low changeups. The curveball wasn't whatever. But I, I really do think that Steven Matz is actually still good. The Nationals got to him a bit. Okay. But this wasn't so bad as the line will tell you. And I think that the Cubs could be a, a matchup for Steven Matz that comes out. Uh, in his favor. Uh, Jake Irvin against the Cardinals on the other side. Three innings, four and runs, six sets, one walk, three Ks. Velocity was not 95.8, it was 94, and the curveball was not nearly as good, and that's all he has. So, all right, we're going to watch from afar once again on Jake Irvin. Framber Valdez and Spencer Strider had these massive strikeout games. 
13 for Valdez, 10 for Strider. Strider got 26 whiffs for the Gallows Pole, 43% CSW for, for Amber Valdez for the King Cole. Five room runs each. It happens. We love them both. We move on. Cal Gibson, 5.1 innings, 500 runs, 9 hits, 2 walks, 1K against Miami after earning a golden goal last time with 23 whiffs. Yeah, that's that's Kyle Gibson. You can't trust him. I mean, the Marlins are better than I've been giving them credit as an offense. I don't really buy it the rest of the year, but um, they are better than I've been saying, so there's something to that too. They're not a b- bottom-tier offense. Uh, George Kirby against the Tigers. What are you going to do? Five innings, four, six earned runs, eight hits, one walk, four Ks. Four-seamer had 11 whiffs. The secondaries just uh, couldn't really do enough. But honestly, this was just fastballs allowing hits, both the sinker and the four-seamer. I don't know why he threw so many sinkers. But uh, yeah, this wasn't it. And uh, it's just how it is. And we move on. James Paxton, honestly, same kind of thing. This is really same with Pablo Lopez. These guys are not doing things that are dramatically different. It's just kind of baseball being baseball. Paxton allowed a grand slam. Okay, four-seam was in good spots, uh, cutter was in good spots, the skills are still there. Same with Pablo Lopez, the secondaries got rocked um, by the uh, the Athletics, lost some home runs. 700 runs, 8 hits, 3 walks, 7 Ks, 5.2 innings. He still had a 30% CSW and 15 whiffs. Like, it stinks, especially against Oakland where we expected good things. This happens, we move on, we still love Pablo Lopez. And Connor Siebold exists in whatever, I'm not going to talk about him anymore. <laughs> Looking forward to today and tomorrow's games. Joe Ryan, Garrett Cole, Max Scherzer, Zach Wheeler, Zach Eflin, Justin Steele, Bryce Miller all today in the auto start tier. Bobby Miller, Jack Flaherty, Kyle Bradish, and Seth Lugo are in the probable start tier. Questionable start, do what you want about Christian Javier. Um, JP Sears is the stream pick of the day. Yusei Kikuchi, Reese Olsen is a really fun matchup in Seattle. Uh, Dylan Cease, Tanner Bybee against Texas is really weird. Uh, same with Cease against Atlanta. There's Alex Wood. Maybe he goes five innings of production against the Pirates. Martin Perez against the Guardians. Maybe that works. And same with Carter Crawford against the Cubs. Please throw sliders and sweepers. Please, please, please. And do not start tier. We have uh, Osvaldo Bido, Josiah Gray, Adrian Hauser, Brady Singer, Tyler Anderson, Colby Allard, Tommy Henry. He's against the Jays. Uh, ben Lively, Chase Anderson in the Marlins bullpen. It is not Jesus Lazardo today. It's Jesus Lazardo tomorrow. And speaking of tomorrow's games, uh, we have Shane McClanahan, Jesus Lazardo, Logan Webb, Ty- Logan Gilbert, and Sonny Gray, not Tyler Wells. I even updated the article. I normally don't do that, but we have Grayson Rodriguez coming. I'll talk about that in a second. Uh, but not Tyler Wells tomorrow. is actually going to be Tyler Wells on Tuesday. All of those, pretty straightforward. I'm Shane McClanahan against the, Red, uh, the Rangers. I don't care. It's McClanahan, and they're worse against lefties. Uh, Luzardo, duh. Um, same with all the Logans and Sonny Gray. You don't need me. Probable start tier. I like Emmett Sheehan as a Toby with a little bit more and possibly being a Holly. And he goes into Camden. Camden's a good place to pitch. So I'm cool with that. Domingo Herman um, against the Angels. It was teetering on questionable start. Really, Herman, Canning, and Gore were all really teetering. And so it really effectively is um, Graceman Rodriguez. Uh, and I went with Herman. I think he's a little bit more consistent with that curveball. You kind of know what you're going to get. And also there's no trout. Well, in the questionable start tier, you have Griffin Canning as a streaming play against the Yankees on the other side. I feel like he, there's just a little bit more volatility and he hasn't looked pristine recently. So I'm a little more worried about Griffin Canning there. Uh, Grayson Rodriguez is here against the Dodgers. I'm very excited for him to return. You should be stashing him. I don't suggest starting him because we know that nerves get to him. It's what happened at the beginning of this year. And the Dodgers are really good, and we also don't know how long he's going to go. Just This is really just treat this like an MLB debut again, and I would hold off on Grayson Rodriguez, but definitely, definitely pick him up in your 12-teamers if you can. Uh, Mackenzie Gore against the Cubs. 
I don't know what we're going to get. The volatility is just always present with Mackenzie Gore, so I'm not really looking forward to that. Miles Michaelis against the Miami Marlins. Maybe this does work out. Keep in mind, he was he started on Friday. It was a rain-shortened start. It was suspended only through three innings. Thus, he's able to go on short rest on Friday country like a bullpen on, on, on Friday. He's going to go tomorrow on Monday. Uh, Nick Pavetta against the Oakland Athletics could work out. It's a strikeout play, but... There's a lot of risk there, too. Matt Manning against the Royals. I know it was no hit, six innings and change. I get it. Matt Manning is just not that good. But then again, the Royals aren't that good. So if you want to raise Matt Manning up a little bit more, go ahead. I don't really think he's that great. Jameson Tyone against the Nationals could work out. He had the best command I've seen from him for a long time in his last outing, but that could have just been a birthday party. Um, I'm not really uh, chasing this until I see more consistency first. And Paul Blackburn, he's always a chance for five, six innings, regardless of the opponent, really. Um, this is against the Red Sox. I don't want to do it, but he's at the very bottom of questionable start tier, especially if you're chasing a quality start and you need one desperately. And the do not start tier, there's another very exciting start, which is Quinn Priester um, starting for the Pirates against the Guardians. Is this going to work out? Should you be picking him up? It's interesting. I, I went on Savant and I uh, looked at his last three games um, in AAA and noticed the trends of being pretty much a single ball, sinker baller or that is throwing sinkers instead of four-seamers. Um, and then secondary stuff not really being that dependable. Some, it looked like the slider was taking the most um, usage, I guess, of the secondary pitches, maybe the curveball. But nothing stuck out to me. This was 92 miles per hour on that sinker. I just don't really think this is a guy that I want to chase, especially for the Pirates, which is in a winning ball club. Some on Twitter were saying it's more four-seamer and curveball is the report. I don't know. I think we just wait and see on this one, and I don't feel like he's the guy that you have to get right now. Brandon Williamson maybe could make it work with the cutters and the forcing where he has increased his velocity. He's a mini Wade Miley, I guess, but I don't really want to chase that at all against the Giants. Dane Dunning against the Rays, absolutely not. It's Dunning who doesn't really do a whole lot, and the Rays are very scary. Hunter Gaddis gets Pittsburgh, but is it going to be like three, four innings, and is Gaddis any good? And Jordan Lyles, you never start. All right, that is it. Thank you all so much for the support, but that is it. So my name is Nick Pollock, and may your babbles be low and your strikeouts high.